welcome to Dental Appointment, a podcast by two dental students aiming to give you an insight into the world of dentistry. We will be discussing all things dental related, from dental applications to life as a dental student. We will also provide you with an insight into our own experiences, as well as talking to other members of the profession about a range of different topics to get their views and learn about the different opportunities after dental school. My name is Ryan. And I'm Becky. And this is Dental Appointment. Welcome back. As part of the dental team series, we are joined today by Jane Witherspoon, a dental technician based in Aberdeen. Jane has been a dental technician for 10 years and is also a dental technology instructor at the University of Aberdeen, teaching the new generations of dental students and dental technicians. Hi, Jane. Thank you for joining us today. Hello, guys. Thank you for asking me. Hi, Jane. Thanks again for joining us today. How are you doing? Good. Good. Um... In, <laughs> with all things considered, yes. <laughs> You're about to ask me what a, a normal day in my life is. Nobody's normal right now, are we? <laughs> yeah, we're certainly not normal at the moment. How have you been finding the lockdowns that have been going on? Actually, I hate to say it, but I'm one of the ones that's really rather enjoyed the whole um, calmness of working from home <laughs> without people knocking on my door every two minutes wanting something else. <laughs> Yeah, but a piece for you. <laughs> so, um, as we said in the introduction, you're here to speak about your job as a dental technician. So, firstly, we'd like to ask you, sort of, how did you get into being a dental technician or dentistry in general? Well, I think it probably came from being good at some random things uh, at school, which included the sciences and art. Um, how do you combine science and art? Well this would be one of the fields that you do that. So what happened from there was I actually went to visit um, a dental lab in my final year at school and they actually put me off um, saying that I was uh, too academic, uh, I wouldn't enjoy it. <laughs> but funnily enough, this is how things work out because it is actually much more of a career now than it ever was then. Um, so they were probably right at the time. And as a result of that, I actually ended up going into the oil industry, as most people in Aberdeen who leave school at my age and don't know what they're doing do. And then I ended up going into dental nursing for 10 years, which is where I then come back round to the dental thing. Um, oh, and in amongst there, a degree in nutrition from Robert Gordon's University. Just to add it, just, to, just for a bit of variety. <laughs> so, yeah, I just. Um, I eventually got back into this when basically there was it was an opportunity that was too good to miss to um to come back round to the dental technology as a an a paid apprentice, which I would never have got back in the day anyway. So that's how it all happened. That's really interesting that you were initially put off of the technician role and then found your way back at a time that was right for you, which happened to work out for the best. Mm-hmm. What were the factors that made you change your mind about pursuing a career as a dental technician? Well, I mean, it sounds bad to say that I was being paid, but it is a factor. It is a factor. When you've already been working for a few years, it's a bit of a thought to go back and study something that's going to mean starting back at the very beginning. But um, I was one of the one and only, because we've never done it again, but um, Ness um, actually ran apprenticeships because this is what happens when you have little blips in government or local 
um, shortages and they um, they decide we need this so we'll uh, put your feelers out and get decent people so they were actually um they were inundated because they were offering this with paid apprenticeship through um the brand new as it was dental school in aberdeen um, in fact, it wasn't even fully built when I first started. So I was actually downstairs in the dark with a, um, a camping stove playing with wax <laughs> before our building was, <laughs> was fully opened. So there you go. I was the first person working in the building and I'm still there. <laughs> but yes, it was, um, I knew, I knew it was going to combine my science and art. And I knew I had the advantage by that point of having the clinical experience as a dental nurse as well and I should say that my last dental nursing experience was actually while I was studying my nutrition degree and obviously I was going to get paid a bit more working part-time as a dental nurse and I was working for a dentist who had actually been a technician and so he used to do his own repairs and additions uh, through in the lunchroom and I would get all interested and be helping him with that so that was a big factor as well in realising, well, I was right all along and this is the side I would rather be doing. So would you sort of say like that insight from working alongside a dentist that had been a dental technician sort of almost encouraged you to go into dental sort of technology? Definitely, definitely. Because um, because he knew both sides, he was very, very well versed in what was possible and what wasn't possible when a patient came in with um, a problem involving any kind of restorative work. Mm-hmm. Uh, a huge advantage from that point of view and as I say I ended up helping him doing some of the, the sort of roundabout work that <laughs> he knew it was going to cost him more to send it out to a lab mm-hmm. and he could do it himself. So yeah, yeah it was really interesting and that was a big factor in deciding it was uh, it was timed very well when I saw the apprenticeship come up because I did I had been doing more and more of that and realizing that I enjoyed it. It sort of links quite nicely back to like the work experience that you probably had, like you mentioned that you had at school as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I um, the the dental nursing has actually been vital as well because, um, as you guys probably know. <laughs> I I tend to be the one who bridges the gap in knowledge, if you like, um, of where the clinical side crosses over to the technical side. Mm-hmm. Because because I do have experience of both sides, mm-hmm. I, I maybe, without thinking about it too much, know where you guys are going to struggle mm-hmm. to see that bridge. Um, because honestly, a lot of the clinicians struggle to see that bridge. <laughs> they don't really know what a technician uh, does or what goes into it. Um, so I think that's where um, the whole thing has come round in a strange <laughs> wiggly pattern. <laughs> yeah, and I think that is certainly true that you've seen both sides of it. You are able to kind of bridge that gap. And you said there it's for you to become an identical technician was kind of right time and right place for you yeah how would people go into studying to become a dental technician now what's the kind of course like well for a good few years we didn't have a course at all in scotland you would have had to have um if you came from scotland you have had to have studied a full-time course distance learning from manchester or london or ireland or abroad um 
And a lot of employers uh, tend to look down on the people who have studied full time, unfortunately, because they know they're not going to have the practical experience of those who have been on a work placement. Mm -hmm. So the best way and the most common way is to be a trainee in a laboratory. In fact, you must be a trainee in a a laboratory to get on to courses such as um, we run now at um, the Aberdeen Institute. And this is a a diploma in higher education in dental technology. And they do need certain qualifications from school to be able to to do that because it's about fulfilling the GDC outcomes. And it's very, very similar ones to the um, the dental students, to be quite honest. Mm -hmm. So um, although we're not quite on the same academic level, they they are still required to do a certain amount of um, written um, communication, for example or understanding of theory concepts. And the main thing nowadays, I suppose, in any of these courses is to make sure that they're ready to work as a team with the dentists, therapists, mm-hmm. dental nurses, because um, we're all in together more than ever. So there's there's a lot of emphasis on um, being able to integrate and know what the other side is doing, basically. So again, they, they learn this from the other point of view, but they need to understand really well what um, the clinician is going to be giving them to be able to do their job and vice versa. So it's a three-year course that we have um, running at the school just now, and that is allowing for them to be mostly doing it from their workplace. Because a big part of it is a workplace portfolio so it's real cases that they are evidencing for the GDC. Yeah. And are those trainees paid to work in the labs? Yeah. Yes, they are. Yep. So it's sort of similar to an apprenticeship. Is that right in saying? It's it is very similar to what I did, except they need to prove with real cases via their portfolios, whereas I was in a quite a unique position that um as soon as I got my qualification, I was guaranteed of being within mm-hmm. the NHS. I was retained within the NHS. Um, so yeah, yeah, they have to um, they have to do a lot of work on their own. So you've mentioned there that they require a portfolio to sort of go out into the world, and where would this sort of allow them to apply to work? Is it just the NHS, or are there other places that they can work? No, I mean most of these most of these trainees are just now in commercial laboratories, right? Um, with a mentor who is, um, they've got an agreement with our university as to how they can support the student through the studies. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them, the mentor is investing in that, so as they can have a trained member of staff at the other end that they can then trust to take on more work. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of them are going to stay within their um, place that they're trained. But of course, you don't just have to stay and be a technician at a bench because I didn't do that for very long. Um, you can actually you can move into all sorts of things, including obviously teaching, which is what I've ended up um, doing. But you can also you can go into the quality control side or the material side. Um, you could be specialising in some of the emerging technologies which is going to be the big future um so if for instance i was good at science and art at school somebody else who's got a basic science knowledge and is good at um um, it might end up a better future dental technologist than i would with my art so you've kind of talked about how to get in to to doing a dental technician course and what that entails 
Um, what is a normal day like as a dental technician? Well, when you're training, it's a little bit different because you'll probably be shadowing a more experienced um, member of staff because actually any work that you're given needs to be signed off by um, a qualified technician who's registered with the General Dental Council. Um, but as you as you become more experienced, your work will be prioritised by date, the date it's required back at um for the clinician for the clinical visit and that's how you prioritize your work um, as a lab manager and as each individual you'll have some um, jobs on your bench that you're capable of doing um, and you will prioritize them by the date required and by how many processes or how much time it's going to take to reach that so um, time management you just get better and better at it with experience and obviously as you get faster um and it yeah so a day really is about looking at the pile of boxes that you've been allocated or have allocated to yourself um prioritizing what's going to take the longest as something else is in a um, piece of equipment processing or setting you're doing the smaller jobs that don't take so long in the meantime and it goes on like that and then obviously nowadays we have to sign everything in sign everything out Make sure you get together your paperwork when it's a finished piece of work and you need your um, MHRA declarations or sending back with the, the piece of um, custom made device. Um, and then you have everything else you have to do as any kind of lab worker, which is tidy up a lot. <laughs> tidy up a lot, clean lots of equipment, maintain the equipment and ordering. And for those listening, what types of appliances do you make as the dental technician? Um, well, the traditional uh, way of working as a dental technician would have you working in one of the three disciplines. So you'd either be working in orthodontics, making um, the elements of fixed appliances and then obviously simple removable appliances. You would be in prosthetics, which is your denture work, and partial and full dentures or anything to do with um, dentures retained by implants. Or you would be in the Crown and Bridge Department, which is, as it sounds, <laughs> you're making crowns and bridges, and again, um, implant retained um, versions of. But all the courses nowadays would have you qualified to the same level in all three disciplines, so that you can actually work as a, a more general um, lab technician. Now, unfortunately, the places of work haven't really caught up with this idea. So the more traditional courses had you qualified to quite a low level in all three disciplines, and then you would have to choose your speciality to get your higher qualification in. And that would then be the only one that you were really um, qualified to do as a GDC registered technician. But now, people like myself and all those who have come since are actually GDC qualified across the three disciplines. So it gets quite complicated as <laughs> what you end up being employed as, because on the one hand, you've got an, um, an old employer who thinks, well, they can't possibly be as specialised as the person who studied the whole further education bit in one discipline. And then there's somebody else thinking, well, that's great that they can do all of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's really interesting, actually, and I didn't know that it was broken down into all those disciplines. And I take it 
it's just kind of depending on what lab you go to work in and what practice they employ. Yeah, exactly. You would need a mentor to take you on and sort of um, make sure that you were embedded into that speciality. But after a certain level of qualification um, across all the disciplines, you should be able to then adapt and further your skills Mm -hmm. in any of the three. So with regards to the training um, in general, and once you're qualified, do you need to do like further training you know how like dentists do like a vt or um i think it's called a ft down in england and um, do dental technicians need to do that extra year no no we don't straight away basically the same work as they would have been doing in their labs up until that point they are now allowed to sign it off by themselves right that's the one that's and get paid for it basically mm-hmm. um but no they don't require an extra um apprenticeship year but you're learning for a good five years, I would say, even though you're allegedly qualified in three. Mm-hmm. For that further two years, you wouldn't just be left to your own devices. Right. Um, you're still a trainee until your um, your lab boss says you're not, basically. Right. It's quite nice to hear that, that you sort of do have mentors within that capacity, though, and they're there to support you. Yeah, I mean, well, our course, they actually have to define a mentor simply because we need um, we need all their workplaces to be supporting them in a, as much as possible a similar way. When I was learning, I did have a, a proper mentor, obviously, because I was a trainee apprentice, but through in just Grampian Labs, where I sat most of, <laughs> most of my time anyway, um, I was always asking everyone, and I was always shadowing what they were doing. So I think if you're... Um, if you're keen enough to learn, you'll uh, you'll get there all the faster. Absolutely, yeah. And you mentioned about um, like date priority and like lab tickets. Um, is it right to say that dental technicians work under a prescription from the referring dentist? Yes, yes. Unless they've gone on to do further qualification um, and become a clinical dental technologist, but it's still quite rare, to be honest. Yes, they do um, carry out instruction by a prescription from a clinician yeah so just to explain a little bit as a clinical technologist um it's mostly denture work they would be allowed to do themselves as in they actually are allowed to take the impressions so um they can do the whole the whole um appliance without input from a clinician right i see and dental can dental technicians sort of train as like a an additional skill to take impressions um, yes, they can, and I have, but <laughs> I have to say it was much harder than I thought. I thought, oh, great, mm-hmm. all my experience of dent, all my experience of dental nursing, all all this, that, and the other. This will be easy. No, it's not easy at all. <laughs> um, I think that kind of thing will become more. Um, that'll that'll definitely be the future because, as we know now, dental nurses have got expanded roles, and then you've got the creation of dental therapy roles. Mm-hmm dental hygienists, um, I think less and less will have these sort of pockets of people who can only do one or two things. Mm-hmm. When I was in the public dental service, so the PDS, um, the whole view of the future for us was that we were intending on having some sort of mobile lab mm-hmm. and we would actually try and travel to the bits of the community that weren't being served very well mm-hmm. and we would have a clinician with us to um to take impressions sometimes but obviously as we all know your time costs a lot more than our time so 
the advantage would be that if um, some of us could actually um, take impressions and then um, obviously come back and discuss um, the plan with a clinician, then it would cut down on the time and the resources and the money. So at one point, that was a future um, plan for the PDS department. Yeah, that is interesting. And it does seem to kind of streamline things in a way, mm-hmm. especially for places that are maybe not getting access yeah. to services, like you say. Um, and to do that, just to revert back to the clinical dental technician, to go on to do that, I take it's further training and things. Yes, it's an, it's another two years um, and it's not subsidised by any government uh, body just now. Um, it's just um, off your own back. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a full time course at the moment. It's just London, that um, it's a distance learning course, um, via London. It does seem a bit strange logistically how that works with it being kind of a practical course. Yeah, um, they would have to be mentored by a clinician who is qualified to to do the mm-hmm. the aspects that they at that point wouldn't be, and then they would have to build up a sort of case based um, report. As mm-hmm. they go through and then prove, um, put that back to the the course leads to to prove their their worth, and that's how that would work. But I mean, there is a big advantage in as much as it, what costs money is the time that everything takes. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, um, when I did my, I went on a placement while I was studying because it didn't make any sense. They they split our days at Telford College in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. The first year, it was two days together, which was fine when it was uh, students who were travelling from um, a bit away, like myself. Um, but unfortunately, in the second year, they decided to split the days. So it was not feasible for us to travel around the place for a day and then come back again. So I went to a placement in Musselburgh, down near Edinburgh. Um, and it was brilliant because I'd never really had to do ortho before. But I ended up, I was helping in the ortho department um, more often than not because um, it was very busy, basically, and they only had the one ortho technician. Um, so that was really interesting. And Caroline Kirkpatrick, who was the owner of the lab and uh, did a lot of work, <laughs> a lot of work. She was just amazing. And she actually did used to teach at Telford anyway. So she knew exactly what, she, what I was aiming for. Um, and she actually went she was studying to be a clinical dental technologist while i was doing my placement there so somebody had been here as a tourist and had lost their dentures fulfilled dentures and she had a dental practice that was um, downstairs and she hired one of their rooms and had the patient sit in there all day <laughs> and she would just come up and down the stairs taking imps uh, coming up to make the clinical aid to go with that, going back down with the bite blocks, coming back up with the registration, putting it on the articulator, making the try-in, trying it in. And um, she did dentures in a day. So there's the advantage. She charged them for it, but I dare say it would have cost them a lot more and to stay in Scotland until they got another pair of dentures. Wow. That's some mean feat, that. Yes. <laughs> so you have kind of touched upon there the, the clinical dental technician route that some technicians can go down Mm -hmm. is there any other additional training that you can do to kind of expand your scope of practice or responsibilities as a technician 
Well, yes, if, you, if you're going to um, if you're going to specialise um, in one of the disciplines, as I say, um, you can go and do all sorts of courses as um, as new equipment or materials become available. Um, we have to do our CPD the same as you guys, so um, you you would obviously be advised to the GDC make sure of it now. In fact, that you're doing um, CPD based on your discipline and your actual job, so people mm-hmm. would be expanding their skills that way. But also, um, like myself, I've never actually stopped studying in every job I've been in. I seem to always end up adding something in the background, and of course, just now with the teaching, um, I've been doing teaching qualifications in the background so that would be one of the the sides that somebody would have to um think about so it's a proper like teaching qualification a pg cert clinical education that i'm doing just now mm-hmm. so the other the other thing that you can of course do with um any qualification in a medical field is to go into quality control of staff materials other labs um, and that is something that Mr. Mackey actually he went into that side at one point because he was actually a laboratory manager um, for a couple of big labs down in England, and he is also still um, an inspector for the MHRA and the Quality Assurance Scotland. So um, he actually would go about um, other labs, making sure they are keeping to their remit from the GDC in the terms of the facilities, the materials they're using are all CE marked and safe for use within the UK. They have all the um, health and safety in place. They have folders proving this. They have the staff training logs, all these kind of things. He actually goes around and inspects. Um, So that's the other side that you can Mm -hmm. kind of go into as well. Um, And of course, research. It's going to become a bigger thing after this COVID because we're all going to need some money. Um, Any kind of research at the moment um, is going to be a big thing for any university. And it is a thing we have to think of. It depends where you're working. A technician working in a lab is not going to be thinking the same way as myself. And um, I don't actually have experience of a commercial lab. I have never been out of our building. I have never worked for any other um, place of work other than a dental school. So I really don't have the outside experience of what it's like working in a commercial lab. I can imagine and I can hear all the stories from people that have studied alongside or obviously the students now. But it's definitely not the um, I've led a sheltered life, shall we say. (laughs) I've definitely been given um, more protected time to be able to to expand my um, my development than maybe some of the commercial lab technicians currently do. Yeah, and from what you have heard kind of through the grapevine, how do NHS and private labs differ? They really don't differ too much, but um, more of what I was saying before about the NHS still seems to be very stuck on these um, separate disciplines, for one. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that actually they didn't want to use this um, course that we have running that was based on the University of Highland Islands course um, set up by Keith Ewan a few years ago. They didn't want to use a course um, that was based across the three 
disciplines. They still wanted to have um, specialities because the job roles um, in the NHS for dental technology actually call it specialists, specialist dental technologists. Um, so I think they're a bit stuck. They're a bit stuck and it doesn't actually um, marry up with the new courses that are coming through, unfortunately. And ultimately, I guess from that, you've got to take it doesn't obviously marry up with where the GDC are trying to go with it. Mm -hmm. So they need to catch up a bit. <laughs> but in lots of other ways, it's very, very good, obviously, working for the NHS. You have all the usual benefits of working for the NHS, but you also then... Um, you know you're always going to have work coming through it's not going to be based on how well somebody's done their business plan mm -hmm. you will get work because the people who come through the door for you are the people that other um commercial labs for instance have um struggled to cope with um also they can get extremely busy in a commercial lab to the point where perhaps the quality um isn't maintained just as high as it would be in the NHS labs mm -hmm. and that that is a, a sort of a sweeping statement but it is a, a traditionally known thing it's just a time factor it's as simple as that um also we are more likely to have access to the CPD events because the NHS makes sure that you do a certain amount of CPD for themselves to be able to work in any NHS building you have to do a certain amount of NHS run CPD courses mm -hmm. um, and yeah it's just I think it's a slightly different entity from that point of view but obviously a lot of our um, NHS technicians the more experienced ones have come from the commercial side mm -hmm. they didn't they didn't all um, start and end like me and all have only seen the, the dental school yeah and just to kind of expand on that further, the the differences in the labs, mm -hmm. in terms of dental practices, do they sign up with a lab or do they just send their work? How do they send their work to the different labs in terms of like NHS private? Is that just based on the patients that they've got? I think NHS and private, there's always been this sort of thought that that would be to do with getting better work or somehow using different materials. Mm -hmm. It really isn't. It isn't. I think I think your choice between NHS and private now is basically based on the NHS don't let you do an awful lot um, mm -hmm. to be subsidised. So most of it is going to be private. And to be honest, nothing nothing different happens in the lab. And as much as it's we still charge you the same, it's just where your budget's coming from to pay us that that would be different if it was NHS or private. Um, right. It tends to be. Traditionally, in the past anyway, it was the more high-end work that was private because obviously the NHS would never have been paying for um, for that. They would always pay for the that'll do, as we say. <laughs> um, but it, it really isn't different materials for the most part. It isn't even a different skill set or a different technician who'd be working on the private stuff. It's just that they would be able to spend a little bit more time doing it because they know it's important and it's worth bit more money coming into the lab mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but as far as choosing if you were a clinician having to choose which lab you're going to use it would probably be more um a logistics thing mm -hmm. unless there was some problem with a lab that you'd heard on the grapevine or whatever but as we as we teach you guys you really should um you should 
try and familiarize yourself with the lab managers um, mm -hmm. in your area and find out what they do, what equipment they've got, what do they offer, what's their speciality, and you probably would decide from there. Mm -hmm. It's all about working as a team um, at the end of the day, isn't it? Exactly. And with regards to mm -hmm. commercial dental technicians, sort of distinguishing between NHS and private, is it just a case of sort of ticking a different box on the lab sheet? Yes, it, as I say, I don't even think it would be a di different box on the lab sheet now. I think it would be more um, whatever it is that you're needing to do for that patient probably isn't going to be covered by the NHS anyway. Mm -hmm, right. So um, th through in our NHS Grampian Labs, for instance, although a lot of the um, work done through the dental school is free, if that was being done anywhere else, it would be private because um, we're talking implants, we're talking... Um, sending out for um, copings to be milled from Strowman, it it would all be private. Right. Um, the vast majority would be private. In terms of the labs also, is there such a thing as like a lab that will do both NHS and private work? Or are they completely separate? No, I would think I would think that they would be doing um both the NHS and private work. I guess it would depend what their local remit is as well. Mm -hmm. They're running a business. So if they have um, a lot of NHS subsidised practices in their area, then obviously they're going to have to do some NHS work. Yeah. And then again, if, if it's mainly private um, labs that's in their area, they'll be doing private work. But as I say, um, it's it's more about the type of work that you're that any clinician is going to be giving you that would define whether it's private or NHS. But from our point of view, that's just that's for you to worry about, really. <laughs> that's uh, that's where your budget's coming from, um, and it's uh, the lab will get paid regardless. Yeah. So you mentioned about uh, one of the sort of three disciplines being orthodontics. Is there a route of dental technicians sort of training to become an orthodontic therapist at all? Orthodontic therapist? Oh, that's a good question. I, I don't know about that one. Right. Yeah, I actually read it on uh, it was on the NHS website. It said that it was a potential route, so I, I didn't know if you knew anything more about it. You mentioned earlier about the importance of time management as a dental technician. What other qualities do you think make a good dental technician? Well, uh, I guess it's the one that uh, not a lot of people have nowadays. Patience. <laughs> <laughs> Patience. You, you definitely need to be willing to learn. You need to be willing to learn from... Because things go wrong. Things things will go wrong. Things go wrong in any discipline like this. You're relying on equipment, materials, being up to the standard and doing exactly what they're supposed to do at all times and it doesn't always work like that so in that point of view you need a bit of resilience there as well mm -hmm. you need the resilience enough to learn from those experiences as in learn what went wrong what role did you have in that and won't do it again sort of thing or what can you do to control it mm -hmm. um and you also need obviously an eye for detail mm -hmm. and very very high manual dexterity but having said that that comes with practice as you guys know very well you do not have the same manual dexterity skills when you start dental school as you do at the end um so even that comes with practice but yeah um as i say from my point of view it was being good at art and science 
mm-hmm. um, I think definitely gives you an advantage because you would have to say somebody who is good at art perhaps does have um, an eye for detail at the very least. Mm-hmm. That sort of highlights like all the sort of skills and attributes that are required and it sort of also highlights that a lot of them cross over within the whole dental team as well mm-hmm. um, to sort of work together like we were saying earlier about the sort of team and sort of to follow on from that you sort of said that it's important to be resilient and to identify how things can go wrong or what's gone wrong so to sort of follow on from that what do you sort of find most challenging about your role as a dental technician well I mean it sounds like I like cliche to say it but I have it (laughs) I know what I'm talking um, from here when I say that um, poor technicians do tend to get blamed for every error that, <laughs> that comes through your clinical doors, um, I hope that's because somebody was a bit ignorant to where the error came in and they just don't want to admit to the front of the patient. But that's why I will go there again and again and again in my teaching to try and get you guys to see where it might be that you need to retake an impression because you can't keep repeating the same thing and expecting a different result, as they say. If it really wasn't the technician who was introducing the errors or the main error, then you need to go back and think, well, um, you know, was that impression good enough? Um, is my is my um, tooth prep of this crown good enough? Or, um, of course, that that very thing is going to be less of an issue in the future because the scanner will tell us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your scanner will tell you when you take the impression and our one will tell us when we put it in for planning the coping. So there'll be no argument there or just trying to trust somebody's judgment. But um, I think this, this will all get better when it comes to working as a team a bit more because when working as a team and understanding the other people's roles around you it's hopefully going to be a bit more of a mutual respect um, mm-hmm. and a bit hopefully more of an understanding as to where these errors come in, as I say. And you maybe won't <laughs> just automatically think it must be the technician that's done something. Um, and from that, uh, I guess it's about all of us being professional enough to hold our hands up when we know we actually did something wrong and say, look, I can see exactly what you're talking about that was me, that's not good, I'll fix it and I'll learn from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the hardest bit from my point of view of being a dental technician, I suppose, is um, it's just yeah, trying to get clinicians to understand when it is actually um, from their point of view to, uh, to maybe trust what the technician's telling them and go and uh, redo a prep or retake an impression. Mm-hmm. That sort of highlights the importance of what the GDC are trying to enforce with the sort of eCPD with reflection and things that might sort of encourage an insight from that perspective, potentially. Yeah. And we tend to be on CPD courses together a lot, where that, that never used to happen in the past. Um, te- technician um, CPD before was just about practical skills and new materials, mm-hmm. but but now... Uh, we're invited to join you guys for all sorts of courses. Which I think is the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is a good thing. Because like you say, it's it's easy to kind of pass the buck and blame somebody mm-hmm. else, especially when you're almost distant from the technicians in a way. Um, mm-hmm. So gelling together and being more of a team will just help the running, won't it? Exactly. 
And at the end of the day, just to follow on from what Ryan said, we're all um, responsible for a patient's care as a whole team. Mm -hmm. So it does make sense. Yeah, it works both ways because technicians, um, they're very distant from the chair side. They're very distant from the Mm -hmm. patient. Mm -hmm. So, um, So it works both ways, that appreciation of, yes, this is about a patient and would I be happy with what I've just produced in my mouth? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how do you find working sort of away from the patients, like not having that patient contact? Well, in some ways it's quite good because I always have to point out to you guys when you're in the lab, you can actually pick things up and move them around any way you want to be able to see better. (laughs) Whereas you don't don't have that that ability in the mouth, obviously. Your job's that much harder. Um, it's obscured by all sorts of things weird shadows tongues somebody not able to open their mouth very well somebody who's gagging you know you know what you're trying to do but you do have that factor added in there it's a bit unpredictable mm-hmm. whereas ours in a way is a lot more predictable um, and a lot more controllable so yeah from that point of view it's quite good but yeah um I think I come from a unique position, as I say, of perhaps being able to look at that prescription and understand or be able to look at that prescription coupled with maybe not so good an impression or, you know, some sort of other factor. And I can probably understand what's happened on clinic mm-hmm. that led to that. Yeah. Whereas another technician is going to look at that um going to look at that impression and think, is that honestly the best they could get? I'm not making that, you know. Um <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I look at it from a slightly different point of view of um, I'll always do my best with the patient because I think you always think, well, if that was me, it's, you know, yeah, it's not my fault. Um, I, I gag when somebody puts an impression tray in my mouth. You know, <laughs> I trust that that is the third or fourth time somebody's taken an impression. And yes, I do have the skill to sort of mm-hmm. um, a lot of a lot of technical work is about um so we see uh, sort of qualified estimates <laughs> about what is going on in the mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the time, before we get to the measurements back from you guys, we've got to produce something that's pretty close to an average estimate um, to make it a bit easier uh, for you on the clinic. So if we don't understand um, how to how to adapt that to each patient, then we're kind of missing a big a big element of um, understanding it's for an individual and um, every everything you produce matters, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So from what you've said there, the kind of teamwork between technicians and dentists can be challenging at times, especially when errors kind of arise. Um, so that's one thing that you find challenging sometimes. Um, and I suppose everybody will know COVID has affected everybody just now. How has it affected dental technicians? Obviously, you said earlier that you've been working from home. It hasn't affected me in the same way as dental technology as a whole in any way, shape or form, to be quite honest. Um, because because I'm um, predominantly a teaching role, all that's meant for me is I get a bit mm-hmm. more time to actually um, do uh, my podcast to set up for teaching. I already had an experience mm-hmm. of um, the whole distance learning thing as a student, so it didn't. It wasn't too much of a step for me to adapt my teaching um, to deliver like that because I had an understanding of what I would be heading for. 
But um, the, the main struggle for dental technology through COVID has been a mix of not getting the work through the door from the clinicians, obviously, because they were interrupted. And then um, the footfall in quite small buildings has meant that some of our trainees who should be in with their mentor uh, five days a week to be able to be um, meeting the mentor um, support that they were agreed um, have been in perhaps not even on the same days as their mentor and been in two days a week. So um, they're really, really struggling to get their portfolio work done, for instance, because the work just isn't coming in the door in the different uh, remits that that has to cover. And um, they're not um, in at the same time as their mentor to be um, being supported through the training of it. Plus, they also, with all the travel restrictions, quite fairly, were very nervous about coming up to um, the dental school in Aberdeen to do their practical days. And as a result, um, we've had to make this same decision as with the dental course. And for the second years, mm. they are running the second year again. And it will give them a chance. It takes the pressure off of everything that COVID has meant for some of them. But it's also led to frustration for some others who have not been so affected, unfortunately. And they, right. they're forever asking, can I not do some of these bits of practical work at my work? My mentor is perfectly willing to support me. And again, it comes down mm-hmm. to um, we're running a course mm-hmm. here. We can't positively bias students who yeah. happen to have a mentor like that so um trying to keep it standardized yes exactly it's been a bit of a logistical nightmare but um so I have a lot of other things i'm sure caused by this pandemic and uh, we'll get them there yeah exactly and that i mean to put nightmares to end um <laughs> what do you enjoy most about your role within uh, the team and dentistry as a whole Oh, without a doubt, um, I, I absolutely love the teaching side. I think um, I do really enjoy helping um, students. And that's um, from a dental technology and um, a BDS point of view. I think it's it's really nice to see somebody sort of struggle with the self-confidence at first, coming through third year. And then before you know it, they're... Um, they're coming in and they're telling you about a case. <laughs> you're using it and you're like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, and uh, just just the growth and confidence there. Um, and as I say, I I have I have seen that um, I do help bridge that gap in understanding that um, that I think unfortunately a lot of the clinicians that are actually teaching downstairs don't have. So if the students leave with a little bit more of an understanding of what goes on in the background and how how to support each other better in the team, then then all then you know it's only a positive thing. Um, so mm-hmm. yes, I, I really do enjoy um, the teaching side of my job. I really I haven't actually made an appliance. Um, I hope uh, Prof Ibbotson isn't going to hear this. I haven't actually made an appliance <laughs> or done my dental technology job for a good while now. It's, um, I am just a teacher. I am just an instructor. Mm-hmm. And I have no issue with that, to be honest, because um, I'm busy. <laughs> I'm busy enough. <laughs> yeah. But as you mentioned earlier, a lot of the training is to do with like practical elements. So you are still... Yeah. Um, practicing with the materials and things whilst teaching yeah. like us and the dental technicians yeah yeah I think when I come to um, 
further down the dental technology course, I'll get I'll get back to having to actually <laughs> use some of my skills I haven't or haven't used for a little while. <laughs> so to sort of follow on from that, as you really enjoy being a teacher within um, the setting of the dental hospital and things, is there any advice for those that are thinking of entering the dental profession that you can offer? I think I would I would just say don't panic if your grades from school don't seem to be enough for you to do what you think you want to do. There are so many different roles, not just that clinical dental role um, now, and you would be missing out on an um, opportunity like my job if um, if you thought that you just weren't capable of getting into dentistry at all, and that was that. You've got expanded duties, dental nurse roles, like we talked about, dental therapists, dental hygienists, orthodontic therapists, apparently. <laughs> I should really read my duties. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got postgraduate dental courses like um, that you guys are on. You know, I think there's an awful lot of emphasis yeah. on kids suddenly knowing exactly what they want their whole future to be when they're like 12 mm-hmm. years old or whatever. Um, I didn't. And uh, I wouldn't be where I am today without this random career path that I've taken um, and all the experience um, and skills that that helped me gather along the way. So I think my advice Mm -hmm. would be is take the opportunities um, as they come up, do what you enjoy. Sounds like, you know, the most obvious thing in the world, but quite honestly, I've seen it time and time again where somebody's obviously been pushed into doing dentistry um, because of maybe somebody in their family does it or they believe that they must earn a certain amount of money to make it in life or I don't know they they just seem to have a bit of a skewed um motivation for um for it and I think it should always come down to do you care about people are you going to enjoy doing the job yeah Mm -hmm. I think that's great advice I think that's really good advice and yeah it really highlights that there is so many opportunities within dentistry within every single role as well um it's not like once you've done that qualification that's you that's you in that job forever there's so many things that you can add to it we've learned a lot about dental technicians in this episode and i think it's safe to say that we wouldn't be able to offer the various dental treatments such as dentures and crowns without them and this highlights the importance of the dental team as a whole in making these appliance for the patients so I think all that's left is just to thank you Jane for joining us today yeah thank you yep thank you guys it's been great having you yeah I've learned a lot it's nice to be appreciated (laughs) we are really enjoying making these episodes and we hope you have found them interesting and learned a little more about dentistry and you can follow us on instagram at dental underscore appointment to keep up to date with us Until our next episode. Bye. Bye.